I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science is If you count the legal votes, I easily win. It is time to take the bricks down. This candle smells like my vagina. I shouldn't be up here. What I should be back in the school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Now, Dominic Raab is the politician we need. He was asked if he was paddleboarding in Crete while the Taliban took over Afghanistan, and he insisted he wasn't because he said the sea was closed. Now, this needs to be investigated. And it nipped off for lunch with a friendly mountain and left a note on the beach saying, back in 10 minutes, because we've all been there. You need a break. You go on holiday. You fly 500 miles to a beautiful beach and then you see the sign. Shut for repairs? Oh, no. Or else it's down to one lane because a pedalo has crashed into an inflatable flamingo causing a 20-mile tailback all the way to Cyprus. It reminds me of the famous episode of The Blue Planet that went... The Indian Ocean. Home of the swordfish. A powerful, majestic creature which traditionally hunts for its prey in these very waters. But today, it must hunt on land. Because unfortunately... The sea is closed. Dominic Robb should have been asked for more details about this sea closure so he could say, well, it started when a whale turned up in the morning and he saw a huge chain and padlock around the Mediterranean and then some jellyfish heard a rumour of a temporary closure due to a shortage of waves, which I deny was caused by Brexit. Maybe the closure didn't just spoil Dominic Robb's holiday. Maybe also 800 people on a luxury cruise to Tangier had to be airlifted out of the shut sea halfway through a concert by Engelbert Umperdinck and now they're all dangling from helicopters playing roulette until it opens again. Dominic has displayed unusual theories of the sea before. When he became Foreign Secretary, he said he hadn't realised the importance of the English Channel as a route for importing goods from Europe. How did he think all the food and cars and goods got here from Europe then? Was there a team of really good shop putters at Calais chucking cars across? Was it hot air balloons? Was it zeppelins? Did they hang stuff from clouds? Did it all float across on a giant turtle? He must have wonderful conversations in international meetings. At the G7, I expect he said to Angela Merkel, I'm very honoured to meet you. Tell me, where is Germany? Can I get a night bus there? Is it in zone four? This is the thing. The quality of lying in this government is so bad now. Oh, I was driving to check my eyesight. The sea was closed. It's like they're getting a three-year-old to do their lying for them. So a minister will be asked, why didn't you make the phone call to the ambassador? And he'll go, because there was a brontosaurus in my kitchen and it stood on my phone and it was And then that night Boris Johnson will be asked about it on the news and he'll go, He has said there was a a brontosaurus in the kitchen, so the the matter is closed. Uh, 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 The British public wants us to draw a line under this now and, and, uh, and, and move on. And then the presenter will go, Well, there we have it. The Prime Minister has said that there was a brontosaurus in the kitchen and that does appear to be the end of the matter. Dominic Robb also insisted that everyone was caught 
unawares by the Taliban's victory, even though he was shown the report from his own defence secretary that warned of rapid advances by the Taliban. But to be fair to him, this doesn't prove anything because the report didn't make clear where the Taliban were advancing to, did it? No, they might have been advancing to their holiday and then they might have met Dominic Raab and they could have both sat on the beach together wondering when the sea would open. The report also warned this could lead to the fall of cities, the collapse of security forces, the Taliban return to power, mass displacement and significant humanitarian need. And Dominic Raab must have read that and thought, well, there's nothing there that suggests that this could lead to the fall of cities, the collapse of security forces, the Taliban return to power, mass displacement or significant humanitarian need. So I might as well pop off to somewhere with a semi-functioning sea. What else is Dominic Raab unaware of? If he sent someone into the bear enclosure at London Zoo and they got mauled by a bear, I suppose he'd say, well, how could I possibly have known that they might be mauled by a bear? Yes, there was a sign that said, danger, bear, but I couldn't possibly be expected to know that that meant there might be a bear or that there might be danger. And finally, when Dominic Raab was asked when his holiday started, as it appears he went away after he'd seen this report, 11 times he refused to answer. Eventually, he'll tell us he didn't know his holiday had started because he hadn't crossed any sea as it was closed. And in any case, the plane couldn't take off because the sky was shut. It is my enormous privilege to have helping me to work out what the fuck is going on. Jen Brister, comedian, residence of Brighton, author. Jen, how are you this lovely post-pandemic world? Mark, I'm absolutely living the vida loca as I always am. Is it post-pandemic? Is it? Oh, it is for me now, yeah. Or is it? We've just forgotten about it, have we? Oh, fine. That's good. Well, I have. I've just had enough. I'm not like an anti-vaxxer person. I think they're all mad. I think the science says that uh, probably it's going to carry on, but I've just had enough. Oh, listen, we've all had enough. And the messages, let's be honest, have been mixed. We've gone, haven't we, from like two metres to literally just spitting in each other's mouths, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, thank God I went back to normal when we could spit in each other's mouths. Yeah, that's what we've got to. Well, it's bad for your mental health if you go for a long time without spitting in someone's mouth. Well, I didn't know that, but the science has now come out, hasn't it, that actually that is truth. Don't you think, Jen, right? I find myself thinking, oh, so all of these sort of crazy, people you know crazy people cutting up masks and that and going it's a conspiracy there's no such thing as covid these people are nuts but also i do get irritated now with the people who sort of put little things on social media i looked at a picture of the piccadilly line and only 55 percent of the people in there were wearing masks well i hope they all catch covid and die in agony that will teach them <laughs> to not follow the rules and i'd sort of think oh fuck off people are you can't yeah, leave people alone now, can't you? Yeah, but we live in a world now where you've got to pick a team, haven't you? 
You can't. Have, there are no grey areas, Mark. The grey areas have gone. This is a very binary existence that we all have. So pick a team. Either you wear a mask and you can be holier than thou, or you don't wear a mask and you're an absolute fucking nut job. And those are the two sides. And Mark, you haven't picked a team. Can you swap, like, from one day to the next? Yeah, sure. I don't see why not. And it'd be like football. Anti-vax till I die. I'm anti-vax till I die. Well, look, think of all those lovely rallies that you can join with all those um, well-educated people in Trafalgar Square. Well, now this is something I want to talk to you about because I saw one of these things. There was thousands. I mean, it's not like 20 people. Thousands of people. And they're invading a medical centre trying to get in. I don't know what they're going to do. It's just all got forms in there. Are they going to get in and go... We're going to rip up these forms because they're all like mucking with your head, the forms. Look at them, boxes and stuff and things to cross out. With name, you put your name, how dare they ask for your name? I know, it's the admin, isn't it? That's the problem. That's what they're really cross about. I find that with a percentage of these people that are anti-vaxxers or are just think this whole thing is a conspiracy, there is a sense of entitlement that they have. They have lived their lives up until this point where no one has ever said to them they can't do something. Oh, yeah. And now the government has just said, actually, you can't do that. And they've gone, how dare you? No one has ever said to me that I can't do anything. It's the arrogance of it that I just mm. cannot bear. And it's because we live in this neoliberal society where the individual's rights override everybody else, that that's what they're upset about, is that we've been told that we live in a free society as in a free society economically as in capitalism and now we've been told actually do you know what for the greater good for the idea of collectivism for loving thy neighbor would you mind popping a mask on when you get into the co-op just for a couple of minutes and then when you get out of the co-op guess what you can take the mask off and they're like how fucking dare you oh look this is just a there's a couple of people i've met who i think now, you've had a little bit too much, sweetheart, so pop a mask on and shut the fuck up. But that's just me. That's just me. I could be wrong. I think you should base the whole of modern medicine on that exhaustive study of Jen's two mates. <laughs> I know. I'm basing this on two people, Mark. What I love as well is that, marvellously, it's even retrospective because they're protesting against a lockdown that has ended. It's already <laughs> ended. Yeah. On the protest, they must be going... What do we want? An end to lockdown. When do we want it? Then. <laughs> it's already gone. You can't protest about... They might as well protest about the Hundred Years' War. I know. I don't know what they're so angry about. That's the other thing. It's like, oh, come on, sit down, have a cup of tea and shut the fuck up. Yes. Now, someone else who could maybe shut the fuck up. So this is a big story at the moment that lots of people are commenting on. Michael Gove, who we all love... Oh, yeah. ...was filmed in a club... <laughs> dancing in Aberdeen. In Aberdeen, yeah, yeah. And so he's been sort of pilloried for that and, oh, he, is he going to have to resign? Are people asking for his resignation? Well, No one's asking for his resignation, are they? That's absurd. I don't like him. I'll admit <laughs> it. I'll just put it out there. I don't think that's news. I agree. I don't like him, but I don't think we should be sacking ministers because, I mean, there's other reasons we should sack him. Yeah, sure, but not dancing. I don't like to think about Michael Gove full stop. Mark. There's something about him and I can't quite put my finger on it. And the reason why I can't put my finger on it is because he's so oily. If he was a superhero or a supervillain, that would be more likely. I think his superpower would be that he could just slide under doors and through cracks. Yes. And, do you know what I mean? I, there's something about him. I just, I feel like he's going to dissolve at any moment. Yes, you'd think, oh, he's gone because he's not in the room. 
So he must have gone. And then you'd go in the other room and he'd be in there. <laughs> and you'd think, how has he got there? And it's because he slithered under the door through the keyhole, through the putty. <laughs> exactly, through the putty. That's how good of a superpower he is. <laughs> when you have builders round, I've got, yeah, I don't know what. I've got my windows. I don't know, they need fixing because they're loose. Oh, yeah, well, you've had Michael Gove in here, you see. He gets in the party. <laughs> Once he gets in the party, mate, that's it, you're done. Really, they should have put sealer in there, really, to stop Michael <laughs> Gove getting in. Fucking hell. I tell you why people don't like him dancing. It's because when you think about dancing, well, certainly when I think about dancing, I think of it as being not necessarily a sexual thing, but often there's something about the way somebody moves that gives you an indication of who they are as a person, perhaps, in the boudoir. And I think that's what's upset people is the very idea that there's something outside of what Michael Gove does where he might enjoy himself or he might be physically yeah. attracted to other people because obviously his relationship with his wife appears yeah. to have come to a close. Yeah. And I think that's what people are upset about. Yeah, you might be right. Well, it's a bit like Matt Hancock when he was when he kissed his mistress lady and they were uh, in the newspapers and people were sort of going, oh, look at him, it's disgusting. And I thought... Oh no, but there, I mean, we all, I'm sure if anyone's got a picture of me kissing someone that's taken without me knowing, or indeed with me knowing, people would go, Ugh, and you know, dancing in a nightclub in Aberdeen. No, honestly, Mark, they wouldn't. They'd be like, you know what? He's quite fit for his age, that Mark still. Yeah, they do say that, but I have to be humble for the purposes of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no one said that about Matt Hancock at any point in his life. Now, Jim, you are, as well as being a wonderful comic, you are an author who's written a book, The Other Mother. Yes, I have. It came out in March and it's a, a comedy memoir about myself and my partner trying to get her pregnant, hence why it's called The Other Mother, and the first two years of our lives with our children. And it's just a funny memoir of, my, yeah, of that it is time. Very funny, yeah. And uh, yeah, it is available at all good bookshops and some actually some average ones, if I'm honest. But you can find it. This is why I love comics. If you were an author, author, you'd have spent 35 minutes telling us about the angst and the, all the meaning and everything. And we're rubbish at publicising ourselves. So we're, oh, I've got a book out. I spent a year doing it, but it's out. You can read it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jen, for explaining to us what the fuck is going on. Thanks, Mark. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now, one of the massive stories this week is the coming together once again of Swedish pop group ABBA, who had all of those massive hits in the 1970s, and now they're going to do another concert, but it's not going to be live, it's just going to be digital or something and a new album. And as you can probably tell, I'm not really a huge expert on the matter at all, but we're very, very lucky because we do have someone with us who is one of the global experts on this matter George Galloway. Let me put it to you, Aber. The resurrection of your Scandinavian tonality is indicative of the global revolutionary spirit encapsulated in your pearn of reverence to the mighty Fernando who fought for freedom across the land. The aria sung originally by Pancho Villa and the noble peasants of the Mexican Revolution. It is with supreme adulation that the streets echo now to the masses' incantation of Mamma Mia, 
your anthem to Boudicca as she defied the occupying Roman forces with her cry of here I go again. My, my, how can I resist you? That, Agnether, Anifried, Benny and the one with the beard is why there will be a golden statue of you in the city of Galloweygrad, which is still subject to planning permission. This week, over a hundred organisations, charities, children's doctors, a conservative think tank, called on Boris Johnson to abandon his plans to cut universal credit by £20 a week. But luckily... Boris Johnson knows better than all of them because he said recently, I prefer people to see their wages rise through their own efforts rather than handouts. Exactly. If they're short, the poor should do what he did and get a donor to give him £52,000 to do up their flat. So if a claimant is in the laundrette, they should say to the woman who works there, uh, excuse me, I know you vaguely, so can you buy me some wallpaper for £800 a sheet, please? And in return, if I become Prime Minister, I'll increase tax allowances on a service wash. And Boris Johnson understands how the system of benefits works because I expect he had to go through a similar procedure to benefits claimants before he received his payment for the flat from Tory donor Lord Brownlow. He had to wait for several hours, probably, in a waiting room, clutching a little ticket with a number with all the other Prime Ministers who were applying for a payment for a bespoke chandelier until his name was called. And then the Lord asked him for nine items of evidence to prove that he'd been available for work at all times so that he might buy his own settee. Later, when Boris Johnson needed a holiday, through his own efforts, he had a £15,000 trip to Mystique donated to him by the founder of Carphone Warehouse. So why can't single parents who haven't had a break do the same? They should be prepared to put in the graft of popping into the Carphone Warehouse shop in the Arndale Centre and say, I'll have a charger, please. And can you pay for us all to go to Mustique for a week? The Queen must get so fed up with Boris Johnson because every week when he sees her, he must say, uh, Mum, have you considered a window cleaning job? You really cannot rely on handouts. And that's why Boris Johnson is friends with people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, who never relies on handouts. He's married to Helena de Chair, who is set to inherit an estimated £45 million from her mother. And you can tell how humble his background was, because in his first election in 1997, he was driven round in a Mercedes by his nanny. And he said, I was going to take my Bentley, but she wisely said that this would be seen as ostentatious and I should take Mummy's Mercedes instead. And he's never had handouts. He's worked tirelessly at inheriting. He inherits 16 hours a day. Anyone else would be exhausted. All his friends must have said, you must have a rest from inheriting, Jacob. You'll wear yourself out. But he insisted, no, I believe in getting things through my own effort. I must carry on inheriting. Or there's Ian Duncan Smith. Ian Duncan Smith and his family live in a two million Tudor country house belonging to his father-in-law's estate. He has to pay no rent or mortgage. 
So presumably he must spend all day doing odd jobs to pay his way. So when the cameras are off, he's... Oh, there you are, Smith. Can you muck out the stables? Uh, right, I, I, I do that. Yes, I will. I, I'm just finishing half the guttering. Only I'd better call Mr Johnson. Yeah, the Prime Minister, if I can, because I'm supposed to be in the Houses of Parliament, see? Because we're voting on the budget, if I may. Oh, well, in that case... No, 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 I, I do it, because the main thing is I don't want any handouts, see? And since he hates handouts so much, Boris Johnson must have refused to take any money off his dad. He must have paid all his own fees at Eton by having an enormous paper round. And when it comes to his own kids, he's so keen to make sure that none of them ever get any handouts, he doesn't even admit that he's got them. What the fuck is going on? One of the marvellous things about doing this podcast is... People send messages, which is delightful. Many of them are asking the question, what the fuck is going on? For example, Alex Irvin says, what the fuck is going on with lorry driver shortages? And it is a mystery, isn't it? It is so puzzling why we're 70,000 lorry drivers short in the country after 70,000 European lorry drivers went home after Brexit. And why would they go home when Britain's been so welcoming to Europeans over the last 30 years, screaming that their red tape and filth and squalor is coming over here, ruining our country, and Romanians are now all going to come over, and there's 70 billion of them, and then they're going to be allowed to bring their mountains with them, and there isn't room, so piss off, and then we're going to be great like we used to be in the 9th century. And now there aren't any lorry drivers. And it's a mystery to me, Alex. I can't think why they went back. Uh, I've also got a, a lovely message from, and I'm going to pronounce this very badly, Xin Chao, who says, I'm a fan of the podcast in Asia because Hanoi is locked down now. Now, I don't know if you mean you've become a fan because Hanoi is locked down and so you've been listening to the podcast, or if you're a fan because Hanoi is lockdown and this podcast is answering that in some way but bless you and anybody else who's listening in Vietnam incidentally you get a little thing that comes through once a week when you do a podcast that tells you which people in which country are listening and it's with an exact number and the proudest one for me is two in Afghanistan two people in Afghanistan have been listening to it I suspect that's probably not good news for them because amongst the things that are likely to be banned under the Taliban, I'm not sure I'd be very flattered if they said, well, yeah, we're banning music and we're banning women being educated and we're banning smiling and fun of any sort. But yeah, we can let these fucking silly podcasts carry on. So hopefully they've banned it. But, uh, you know, that's tragedy, obviously, for the two people who are listening. Now, Doubter says, am I the only Tasmanian listening in? And I can't possibly know that, Doubter. I could if the figures broke down region by region within the countries. So then I could know, well, all right, there's two people in Afghanistan, but neither of them are in the Helmand province. And we seem to be terribly, terribly unpopular there. So special mention to all of you people. Please do send me messages asking me, to answer what the fuck is going on with anything you like and I will be utterly incapable of answering it but I will try and we can only do our best Now Alex from Twitter asked about the shortage of lorry drivers and lots and lots of people have been discussing this issue including the woman I heard in the cafe who had personal experience of these difficulties 
Well, I've been hearing about this lorry driver shortage, and I thought, good, because they're awful people. One of them beeped their horn at me the other day. He said, you've parked your Range Rover across two lanes of the M25. Well, I had to stop because my daughter Nectarine saw an interesting leaf which she wanted for the nature table. Anyway, that's misogyny for you. And the pile-up was worth it because the biology teacher gave her an extra mark. But now they say there's a shortage of flu jabs, which is awful, because if our cleaner gets the flu and it turns into pneumonia, she might not clean half as well. And she insists on coming into work, even when she's at death's door, because if she doesn't, Colin would sack her. He's used to dealing with malingerers because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of Rygate. And he had to sack three of his staff for being in intensive care during the pandemic. The last cleaner we had was even worse. She didn't come in for a whole month. And when I rang her, her husband answered and said, I can't talk now, I'm at her funeral. And I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but is she coming in or isn't she? Because the Hendersons are popping over to see our new water feature and there's a terrible build-up of dust behind the harpsichord. And he just started crying in a foreign language. But that's the trouble with people these days. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me, why is there no coffee or food in this cafe? What the is going on? If we are to find out what the fuck is going on, we can't just stick with our own generation. We need somebody from a younger generation to be able to tell us what's happening in the world. Now, luckily, I've bred someone for this purpose. With us is Elliot Steele, who's been coughing all week and coughed all the way to Doncaster and back yesterday, as if that's some sort of social experiment. Elliot, welcome. Hello. Now, when you're on a train coughing, what's that like these days then? Well, let's make it clear, I haven't got COVID. No. Just got, like, generic illness. Right, but if you're on a train, over the last 18 months, if you're on a train with a cough, that's probably a bad place to be, isn't it? It's a little bit... Do you know what? I felt like I was taking a stance. I felt a little bit like Rosa Parks. (laughs) I imagine it was very similar, what she went through and what I went through. In fact, in some ways, I think I'm braver. But, you know, it's, it's not a competition, you know, civil rights, is it? But here we are. I wore a mask, though. I did wear a mask. Uh, well, this leads us on to something that I think your generation is going to know more about than me. Right, this stuff, I've already forgotten the name of it, overgectin, something, whatever it is. Ivermectin. Ivermectin. And it's become popular in America, not least of which because of Joe Rogan, because he is one of the many, many people in America who's taken this stuff for COVID. But it's for... Getting out worms in your intestines is what it's meant to. The one caveat being, even that, is if you're a horse. And so on two grounds, this drug is not really the one that should be prescribed for COVID, as people have been taking it. How how do you know that? How do I know it? Yeah. But you're not a doctor. No, but I do take notice of people who are doctors. And the American Medical Association put out a notice that said, I quote... You are not a horse. When the Medical Association says, do not take this stuff, it's for horses, you are not a horse, I'd take that authority above a fucking wrestling commentator. He commentates on the UFC. UFC, you know, whatever it is. One of them things, fighting things. Some new show this, you don't even know the name of the thing he's taking or what it is he does. Well, exactly, that's why you're here. Exactly. (laughs) On Newsnight, when they go, so, Professor of Physics, tell us about this new particle that's been discovered that might solve the problem of what antimatter is. The physicist doesn't go, oh, Emily Maitlis, you don't even understand the B41 continuum theorem. Who are you to bloody run a 
There's a little bit different in it. There's a little bit different to knowing who Joe Rogan is. But but so where he's getting it from is that he's getting it from Brett Weinstein. Brett Weinstein is like a doctor or quite a biologist. He knows some things. He was one of the first people to say, I think COVID comes from a lab in Wuhan. And everyone went, oh, fuck off, you crazy conspiracy theorist. That's mental that it would come from the COVID lab in Wuhan. It came from that bat that some guy ate. That's much more plausible. And do you remember we all went, oh, yeah, it came from that bat. Oh, no, that's not the same as this. People are taking horse deworming stuff. No, but I'm just saying, like, it's one of those things where it's easy to sit here and go, oh, it's a horse da 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 thing. I don't know enough about the thing that I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and be like, you bunch of idiots. I don't know. Most of the people on Twitter don't know. Why is everyone speaking like they're an authority? People didn't know what ivermectin was until last week. They didn't know what it was. And now all of a sudden, everyone helped create ivermectin and knows what it's there for. Because the people who are authorities are saying, don't take this stuff. It's for horses. I'm not saying, oh, I know all about ivermectin. But I am saying these people seem to know. Just like there are people from Isaac Newton and Copernicus right down to Stephen Hawking and beyond who say the earth is not flat. I take their authority, really. I'm not saying I've studied it and I've been to where they say the edge is and it looks like it keeps going. I'm not saying that. I take the authority of other people. Otherwise, you're like one of these conspiracy people who's going, oh, do you know what I read? There's no such place as Ipswich. It's made up. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I wouldn't take ivermectin, but I, I, I think they're probably... Wasn't there like a thing where they found ivermectin did help reduce the symptoms so it's like when Donald Trump went and got his treatment for COVID and he went to a hospital where all of a sudden they had like these experimental things that they could give people. And then he was fine, even though he was like a 70 year old man who lived off fillet of fish from McDonald's. He's like in the target group of COVID will kill you. He was fine. Is if you have money, it's like when Ebola, remember when we were all scared of Ebola because it was killing loads of Africans and then two Americans got it, got treated in America. And it just so happens that when you have money, Ebola doesn't seem to be as deadly. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. It's the same with anything. But it, and I feel it's like kind of was like that when Donald Trump got COVID. It was like, oh, this guy matters. So we need to save him. Whereas everyone else, we're just going to put you on a ventilator and see if you can deal with it. Because remember, this is about money. The only reason they want to stop COVID is because it stopped the economy. It fucked the economy. That's what it's about. I don't think that's conspiracy theorists. I'm not saying it's a deliberate ploy, but I'm just saying people are opportunistic to make the money where they want. So if something like ivermectin comes along and they go, oh, look, this really reduces something called COVID. If you're a big farmer and it turns out there's a horse dewormer that stops COVID, you're going to be furious. You're going to do everything you want to yeah, stop it. Yeah, but that's it. made by big farmer as well. But horses, horse big farmer, that's not as big farmer as people big farmer. No, but farmer. it would be if it cured COVID, wouldn't it? So there, it's in their interest as well. They're not like, it's not made on a kibbutz, is it? It's not made on Jeremy Corbyn's allotment. No, but then it's cheaper to, the whole thing comes cheaper. Because it's a thing that already exists. Think about how much money you're going to make for having to research and do the COVID vaccine. No, if they were going, oh, do you know what cures it? A thistle up the arse. Just go out into the woods, get a thistle, shove it up your arse, prickles a bit. Then fair enough, you would go, oh, Big Farmer's going to be furious with this. Anyway, I think we've sorted it. Well, no, we haven't. (laughs) 
We haven't, don't cut it off with that. This has not been sorted. If anything, it's exacerbated things. <laughs> anyway, we've run out of time, Elliot. We can continue this next right. week, I'm sure, if you're not on a respirator by then, or your intestines have gone back to front because they're full of horse dewormer. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, please subscribe, rate it, and if you can be bothered, write a review. And even if you can't be bothered, write a review, and those ones will be really, really treasured because you wrote them even though you couldn't be bothered to. If there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter, at Mr. Mark Steele, and we will do our best to look at all the messages that you sent. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, Jen Brister and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinowicz and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced and edited by Scott and Matt at Podmonkey. What the fuck is going on is a co-production between Podmonkey and Consec Industries.